Wonder how that woman came up with her cool idea and turned it into a business? Listen in to find out how. Welcome to Women Inspired. I'm your host, Linda Ugalo, and on this show I interview artists, healers, changemakers, and entrepreneurs about what fires them up and how they put their dreams into action. I'm really excited today to have as my guest a business energy strategist. Welcome, Tamara Arnold. Hi, how are you? I'm great, and I can't wait to hear what an energy business strategist is. I can't wait to tell you all about it. Do you want to hear about it right this second? Right this second. Okay. <laughs> so what a business energy strategist is and what it's kind of evolved into was about last year in February, I downloaded that I could read chakras from Spirit, which as you can kind of guess, would kind of be like, what? What are you talking about? Especially if you have no... Uh, actual knowledge or experience in chakra reading and so I went right to my computer and was like hey apparently I can read chakras anyone open to let me practice on them and it became a year and a half mission to get here I've done over 300 uh, chakra readings and what I've learned is that we actually have seven floors of our energetic body and over time from the time we're born up until the time we actually go in and start to do the work we basically clutter or we hold inside of ourselves all sorts of different things each floor has its own little special compartments of things that we carry or we hold on to and so what we do is we go in together and we kind of look at it from the energy of your business in the sense that when we take something out we really want to make sure we're putting something else in if you think about a weed garden right if you're just to pull the weeds the weeds just come right back so we pull out all the weeds so all the things that aren't serving you and then we infuse your love light or your business energy in on each floor and that's the work of being a business energy strategist ah you're speaking my language because you know in the work that i do in helping people overcome fear is that we declutter yeah and we replace it's the same thing. And I have a special chakra practice that I do, so I want to hear more about yours. So, okay, we've got to identify what the word chakra means for people who may not know. So the way that it was given to me, so like I said, when I actually downloaded that I could read chakras without having any, because I was like, a spirit gave it to me, and I was like, oh, spirit, I don't even know the colors, and I don't even know the symbols. How can I be someone who can read chakras? Um, what I learned is what spirit gave me. Right, so each floor, I describe it as floors of the energetic house. They don't have a shape to me. They just have, like I said, um, almost like I explain it as when I'm looking away and I'm doing a reading, I can feel things, I can sense things, I can know things. Um, we carry imprints or echoes of people in our past events inside each floor and we can kind of then pull them up. I do know that each one represents a different um, area of your life. Right? So the way that the root, let's just say, which is the very base, it's the foundation of who we are, it's where it begins, it's at your tailbone, is basically your foundation. It is your lifeline. To me, it represents a table, and like our, the table of our energetic house. If we can't get the floor, that floor set straight, if any of the table legs are wonky, then our whole energetic being isn't set up properly. I could tell you which they represent for me. Sacral sex and money. <laughs> Solar plexus is your energetic junk drawer. So that's your belief system in yourself and any beliefs you've picked up of others. Your heart chakra is your energetic breath. It's where we breathe into and it's where we exhale 
from. Then we have our throat, which is uh, the vehicle. It's what brings our mission out into the world. If this is closed, we close, we get sick. Um, we have our third eye, and our third eye is trust. Is That's your ability of staying out of your head and not getting caught in your own thoughts and not allowing you know something greater to run through you. And then the crown is receiving. And so this is the first stage of being clear, right? Because if you're not bringing in something as simple as a compliment, how can you bring in divine money or soul clients or gifts or abundance or opportunities? Very well said. <laughs> and receiving is very difficult for so many people. Just okay. think about compliments that get deflective right and left, like lobbying a tennis ball, right? It's so true. And when Comes at you, boom, I know, boom, there's a shutdown. <laughs> and what's really fascinating is when we talk about like the energetic breath through the heart, right? And it's a given it to receive. And you think about the person who's giving the compliment and they're exhaling from their heart. They're saying, Linda, I love the color of your shirt. It is just so vibrant and so bright. It makes me feel so happy to sit here with you. And so that compliment exhales from their heart and the next person is there and it's right. Can you receive that compliment and breathe it in? But most people don't. And so if we were in a beautiful chain reaction of inhale, exhale, this beautiful you, I would exhale the compliment. You would receive it. You'd glow. You would send something nice out to somebody else. They would receive it. And just think about how the energy of the earth would change. Very very differently right I feel the same way about speaking that that's the same kind of circular energetic flow that happens between us and who is receiving it I love that. so that the speaker isn't just giving but they're also receiving think of all the eyes that are on you that's a Power big gift that shivers. that's a big gift mm -hmm. yeah exciting oh, I love this <laughs> <laughs> so you said this came to you you had no idea. How did it come to you? What's your story behind this? So I'm going to actually go way back in time. Um, so if I were to go back to being a young child, I always remember being a sensitive child, right? One who always chose hanging out with adults over hanging out with kids. I didn't understand kids. Why were they so mean? <laughs> like, why did they have to like say things to each other that didn't make any sense? And so I gravitated towards adults. But something happened in my family uh, that was fairly big when I was 10. And my mom got sad. And I remember thinking in my head, oh my goodness, I need to take care of my mom. And all of these gifts that I had accumulated up until that point kind of disappeared. And then my trajectory from 10 until 37 became a whole different cycle. And the cycle was about mental illness. Because even though I, I left home at the age of 17, because you can only as a young child handle, you know, f and my mom did not make me feel responsible for taking care of her. This is an important piece. I took that on as a kid, right? Like I loved her. I just wanted to make her feel better. But at 17, I was like, ah, I can't do this anymore. And so I actually moved out from home and then I took it even further and I went on a rotary exchange to Brazil for a year. And when I came home, by the time I was 19, I was like, I need to figure out how to create my own love. So I got pregnant and I had a little baby and uh, he ended up suffering from severe mental illness as well. So the very thing that I had tried so hard to run from became the very thing that was my lesson, my teacher, and my guidance into becoming the person that I am today. That was the most intense parenting uh, you know, life lesson that anyone goes through, however, and what my first book is written about. So tell, tell us about your first book. So my first book is called My Kid is Driving Me Crazy, a mom's survival guide for living with a child with mental illness. Because the thing about having a child with mental illness is that you tend to leave yourself. 
right? You become really swept up in making sure that you fix the problem you created and that you're responsible for making them so this way and you want to make sure that they're okay and they're better and so you lose who you are as a human. You become just the mother of your child. And so things got really hectic. It was a very codependent relationship, which I'm, I'm like exceptional at codependency, having been codependent with my mom. And by the time Ethan was 16, his behaviors were, were just nothing that any uh, parent could uh, actually responsibly deal with. And I made a hard decision with the help of lots of therapy, of course. And my therapist had been saying, Tamara, you need to detach yourself emotionally. You need to detach yourself emotionally. If this wasn't your son, would you let anyone treat you that way? And I was like, dang it, no, I would never, right? And so I had to become myself and gain some strength. And I, I told my son, like, listen, you need to seek help or you can't come home. Because at that point, I'd walked into my um, laundry room and found him with a chair and a cord. And I'm not a suicide counselor, and it was affecting our entire family. Jeff and I weren't sleeping. We had other kids in the house. I mean, there was a lot of tra trauma in the background that led to that moment and the hardest decision you ever do is ask your son to seek help or they can't come home and it's even worse when they see they say they're going to live on the streets instead of getting help <laughs> and then and is that what happened yeah <laughs> yep so when he was 16 he said no i'm not going to get help i don't want to and he chose living on the streets which caused me to spiral into sadness and uh, when he was 17 it's still, I was trying to fix the problem, even though he wasn't living at home. I was like going and picking him up from the shelter, making sure he was taken care of, like fixing his errors, following and cleaning up his mess everywhere he went. Um, but when he was 17, 17, he did something, his story not mine to tell. And I said, we're, we're done. We're done. This is now stepping over the line that I keep pushing anyway. And you've now even crossed that line. We are, we're done. And so the first book was written um, as a means to help other parents not get to that point, A. And B, it was everything that I did from the moment him and I stopped talking to actually figure out who I was again. And I mean, when he, him and I stopped talking, I remember walking into my living room and going like, like I'm getting shivers and I might get emotional because like I was like, oh my God, I, I, I don't know who Tamara is. I, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't remember what I like. I don't remember like what brings me joy what I want to do with my life. I'd been a personal trainer at that time. And I was like, do I, do I want to be a personal trainer? Like I could complete, like I felt empty of myself. And so I never want a parent to, to get to that place. I want to help them find themselves because if when we parent from within and do that, like from a place of ourselves through modeling and through self care, it's such different. It's so different. So did you write the book from that place of separation or did you write that book later when there was some resolution to the relationship well Ethan and I only didn't speak for six months right so I was but I had been whenever you're in a negative loop cycle or a process of patterning that repeats itself over and over and over again there has to be something pretty drastic or dramatic that changes that pattern I was actually watching a, a video the five second rule with Mel Robbins and she, she, you know, she learned how to say five, four, three, two, one, blast off, and it was that that jumping up that would stop the pattern, right? For me, it was I was like, no, right? Like, and I mean it. You can't come back. You can't. We're done. Um, but six months later, he reached out to me, and then we had to build a new relationship. We had to build a relationship based on who we were six months later, 
and we had done a lot of work individually and since then I like you could look at us now and he's so grateful I wrote that book he get, wants to give the book to people because he's like mom they're codependent they need your book <laughs> I'm like sweet so like it really has been the best experience for us both like people often say to me like is your son not mad you wrote that book and I'm like he knew I asked his permission and his thoughts were mom if this can help other moms and sons or moms and kids fix their relationship like we have then I 100% want you to write this book Just taking that in. It's such a huge moment. Yeah. He's a pretty awesome kid. It just gives me so much hope for how relationships can transform and that you don't have to, like in the darkest hour, you don't have to give up hope. But you said something earlier about detachment. Yeah. And there are a couple of like loose ends here because you yes. went into this story I about know. how you got to become yes. the, the yes. business energy strategist. Right. Um, I'll leave it up to you, like where we take yes. it. Yes. So um, the detaching yourself emotionally, I didn't know how powerful this was going to impact my life from the time I decided to break, I say break up with my son on because looking back, I realized how much I was an empath growing up, um, how, how sensitive I was, how much I was taking in. It's why I chose personal training as a job, right? I could go into the gym, <gasps> absorb all these happy the vibrations of people, bettering them their, their lives and go home and be like, oh, this is hard, right? And then mm -hmm. kind of go in and then come back. But it was in the process of, so I'll, can I t just share stories here? <laughs> in 2016, so like my son and I uh, broke up in 2015 and I started to like, all these self-development books that I had on my shelf, never been able to read or, or get through, I'd start them and not. I just started to ingest them all, right? Because I just needed to figure out who I was and what I wanted to do. And it was amongst the sadness. So when him and I broke up, I, I, I mean, I was in a fetal position most days. And you know, you're lying there and you're like, what can I do today to feel just a little bit better? And I remember running across uh, something that was called uh, Meditation with the Angels with Carrie Samuels. And I was, it was a 28 day meditation series. And I was like, I don't know what else to do. So I'm going to download this 28 days thing. And I slept through them all, every single one. I called it meta napping. <laughs> and I was like, go for my meta nap right now. But I knew that there was something going on. Right? Like I knew that it was just so much to process that my conscious brain couldn't do the work. And so my subconscious brain took over. But when those 28 days were done, I was like, well, I don't want to stop meditating every day. So I started to meditate every day and I started to hear messaging in the meditations. And so at first I was like, I think I'm crazy. Like, I'm pretty sure like my poppy came to me, my son's father's dad who passed came to me and I was like, mm, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I can tell people this, like, you know, come out of the spiritual closet, if you will. But as soon as I trusted my voice and I started to tell people this was happening and I, I knew it as being truth that it was happening, then I started to hear messaging outside of meditation. By 2016, it was pretty heightened. Um, and I remember there was an event, <laughs> it was called the Archangel Summit, and it was the first time it was being run. And it was a $300 ticket. 
and I couldn't afford the ticket. And here I am hearing angels and talking to spirit. And thank goodness, two beautiful people who I am forever grateful for, they bought my ticket. And I went to this event. It was in September 2016. And uh, I cried a lot of the day because every single speaker was speaking to exactly what was going on between my son and I. And there was one particular speaker, his name was Philip McKiernan, and he was like, you know, you need to get up and think about what your last speech would be. You know, if you only had, and I can't remember, it was 15 or 20 minutes, but to leave an impact, a legacy, something that if you got up and then you were to get off the stage and you were like, your life was over, what could you do or say to impact the world? And I was like, man, that's big, right? Like, that's a big statement to make. And he's like, go to a stranger and tell them. And I was like, oh my God, right? And I've been crying, I was purple. And so I went up to this strange man and I was like, it wasn't my fault. That was my big legacy speech. It wasn't my fault. I wasn't responsible for my son. I wasn't responsible for my mom. And all of a sudden, all of this, like, it's like I could feel it washing right off of me, down into the theater, transmuting away. And I left Archangel a different person. And it was, after that, that messaging really started to come in, right? And so I was in the bathroom again. They like to talk to me as I'm leaving my bathroom. <laughs> and I was in the bathroom and they were contact Hay House, contact Hay House, contact Hay House. I went for a walk, they continued saying that. And when I got onto the computer to look it up, that's where I remembered a woman named Angela who does something called the Author Incubator, where's where I wrote my books. And I started the process and writing my first book that's when I cleared my throat and my root chakra, and that's when I downloaded that I could read chakras. I know it was a long story to get to this point. <laughs> wow. So throat chakra is... The vehicle to get the your vehicle mission out. The vehicle to get your mission out, the expression. When you were able to get it out, what you had to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's your superpower. Like, it is truly your superpower. And each and every single one of us has it as a superpower. Like we can all, like words are extremely powerful, as you know, because you're a speaker coach, right? And so they can shift an energy, make a movement, make a difference, start up, like uh, anything can happen when you use your words. And if you don't know if your voice is your superpower, or your written word, but you have one. And when I wrote that first book, that's when I got over the fear that if I used my voice, I would hurt my family, hmm. right? If I use my voice, I'll upset everybody that I know, right? I'm gonna receive pitchforked mums at the door because I broke up with my son and I let him live on the streets. Like all of these fears of being a bad mom, of all of that, I had to get through that to write that first book and that's what busted open so that I could actually receive the messaging that I'm supposed to be in the service of business energy strategy. How do you feel you were able to get over that? in order to write the book. Oh my God, it was not easy. Oh, no, 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 no. Because <laughs> that's a deep, deep, that's why I say it was tied to the root chakra, right? Because our root chakra is safety. all- Safety. Right, it is safety. For me, it represents four pillars. It's seeking approval, fear of judgment, having clear boundaries for yourself, and people pleasing. And I was doing all of those things, right? I was definitely trying to seek the approval of my family with, with what I was doing in the world. Like I, every time I would do anything, because I, I mean, I'm like a hard case in the sense that from a daughter's standpoint, I didn't graduate high school, um, you're pregnant at 19, no post-secondary education, right? So everything that I, when I became a personal trainer, I'm like, I'm a personal trainer. And they're like, that's nice. And I was like, oh, right? And so everything I was doing, I was like, do you, do you love me now? 
do you love me now? Right? So it was very tied to my approval. And then fear of judgment, I mean, like I said, I totally had a relationship with my son who had severe mental illness. We love each other and we have always loved each other, but like he lived in a mental health residence for eight months. Nobody knew things were that bad because you're afraid to talk about it. Right? So I had people pleasing is that instead of focusing on ourselves, when something isn't going well in here, the best way to distract away from yourself is to people please. <laughs> oh, sure, I can help you. Sure, I'll do this. Sure, I'll do that. Right? Which ties into not having clear boundaries. And all that was tied to my family. So it was a very uncomfortable process to write the book. Mm -hmm. I cried a lot. Mm -hmm. a lot. And uh, oh, what happened afterwards? Did your fears come to pass? No, they never do. That's the <laughs> best part. We create these like almost monstrosities of fear that prevent us from taking steps forward in our lives and our businesses. And I don't know how many soul clients I've had. I remember one and she was probably one of my favorite people I've ever come in contact with. And I remember during our call sitting, she was sitting on the bed. She's like, I cannot post about this. I cannot put this up on Facebook. And I was like, Yes, you can. And it took 45 minutes and she pressed send and she only got love and support. The floor didn't open up. But in our thoughts, in our conscious brain, in our small self, the, the self that tells us don't do that, it's not safe, right? It can be blown into some ginormous monster of terror. <laughs> so tell us again the name of the book if people who have troubled relationships with their children want to be inspired by how you got out of that. That one's My Kid is Driving Me Crazy, a mom's survival guide for living with a child with mental illness. Mm -hmm. So once that you got past that suddenly, now do you have a program for that as well? I do have a program from that. It's called Becoming Me. And if anyone is interested, please let me know because there's something that's brewing with that to, to be reborn because it's such an impactful um, process and I don't want to see it slip away. And so if they just email me or contact me through um, my website, then I would love to, to connect them with something to help them work through this. Okay, and is your website Tamara Arnold? TamaraArnold.ca. Tamara. Okay, yeah. .ca. Yeah, Canadian. Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Yes. So then you went on, you thought, oh, first book, check. Second book. So now you have a second book as well. I did. I birthed them both last year. Um, I don't necessarily recommend that, but because I downloaded <laughs> that I could read chakras in February, so I started reading my uh, writing My Kid Is Driving Me Crazy, downloaded I Could Read Chakras in February and started to work in that process as well. I legitimately hit uh, go live on Amazon uh, with the first book and went home and started the second book that weekend. Wow. Don't ask my kids how that was because they said I disappeared for a year <laughs> to, to write the books, but they needed to, it needed to happen. Mm -hmm. So in the book, what do, you, what do you find is that people just are simply not aware of? So they're stardust, um, or what I like your mission, your soul's calling, all of these kinds of things. It gets very diluted. I truly believe we're born with a piece of stardust in our hearts. It is our, like, that is what we are here to champion here on this earth. And most of the time, I always explain it like it's like your favorite pair of underwear, 
right? And when you have it on, you feel all good and like you just could go out and tackle the world, right? And it sits in the heart and all of this dirty laundry gets piled on top. And so the process of going in and pulling everything off and really defining your stardust and being able to actually impact the world with whatever it is that your mission is, what you want to make a difference is, that's that's it. That's what people need to know. That's, That's what they need to it's, it's true, though, because we don't have to live in mediocrity. We don't have to, you know, drudge through. We don't have to. We can all live a life doing exactly what it is that we feel like we're meant to do. If you would have seen me five years ago, even three years ago, you wouldn't even recognize me today. Right? And I, I truly know and believe that we can all have that. Mm -hmm. Now, not everybody wants to, you know be remarkable in their life or like stand out like a celebrity what would you say to somebody say I just want to get by I just want to be normal fit in I think is that, that their stardust I believe that it begins with wherever they are and what they want no not everybody wants to be a trillionaire millionaire billionaire some people just want to be able to have a happy existence mm -hmm. to wake up and not feel sad in the morning and mm -hmm. get through the day mm -hmm. and I think that that is part of their stardust mm -hmm. it is the first layer of taking off mm -hmm. right the things that are making them feel sad right we all have that place and that's where I started, right? I was in the fetal position, lying in a chair, thinking, I don't, I don't want to work today. I don't want to train my clients. I don't want to talk to anybody on the phone. I don't. And when I was there, no one else knew. My husband knew, but no one else knew. And that Tamara, all she wanted to do was make it through the day happy. Mm -hmm. So yes, 100% that is part of defining your stardust. Mm -hmm. I know in what, looking back at my own life, there was a period of time that I felt like I wanted to understand my worthiness just from being a person, just by being alive. And I felt like I was grasping for significance for a while and then it became very painful and I said no I don't want to do that anymore because it was it was painful and I felt like I was suffering by it not working out the way I wanted to so I was really attached to a certain outcome and I needed to relinquish that and just know I'm you know I don't have to do anything special right and yet I knew there was something else there and I kept my eyes open for it Yes, if there are to be like four ways that you can get yourself from the fetal position and out into the world, detaching yourself emotionally from the people around you, from everything else, really standing in who you are and what you're meant to do and what really is your happiness and joy, detaching from the outcome, and this was the other thing that's what you're talking about here, is detaching from the outcome is, like I always explain when I made the decision that my son was going to, or my son made the decision to live on the street, right? I had to, I had to detach from that outcome. Like I could not think about him 24 hours a day, which brought in faith at that time because if I spent all my time worrying about him, right, then I would never be even a good mom to my other kids. So we detach from the outcome. If you are an entrepreneur, you detach from the outcome. You put a post out, you just know that there's something already at work, that you do not need to pick up your phone 700 times to see if it's been liked or loved or shared. You detach, you just let it go. 
right? Everything that we do, if we detach from the outcome, gives it space to let source come in, right? I truly believe that we all have a fresh start every morning when we wake up. We do not beat ourselves up over the things we did not do today, <laughs> tomorrow. It does not affect us anymore. So if we were to wake up every day with a fresh start, like, I wake up, ah, oh, it's a good day. I'm so grateful for this breath. I'm so grateful for this morning. I'm so grateful for being here, right? And you continue on. And the other thing is, is that once you get into a co-creation co or collaboration with the universe, you really do get to have that space of basically, it's like a drive-through. Like I always think of your crown chakra, we we're talking about that, opening it up to receive. And it's like a drive-through window. You roll down the window, you open it up and you're like, okay, source. <laughs> This is what I want. Vision boards, you've heard of those, right? Um, anytime that you're writing down your one month, two month, one year, whatever it is, and you just say, these are the things that I'm looking for. This is what I want from my life. This works. <laughs> it really works. Um, the most important part if you're doing those kinds of things is to be as detailed as possible. And I always use the example of like, if you had somebody coming in to renovate your kitchen, would you just say, I would like some new floors and some new cabinets and a backsplash, maybe some cupboards. They're gonna do what they see, right? You've been clear, you want a new kitchen, but unless you're going, I would like barnwood hardwood floors and I would like shaker cabinets and I would like, you know, subway tile backsplash and these are the handles. The more descriptive you can get with the universe, the more it knows exactly what you would like and can actually bring that to you. It's like you start walking, the universe starts walking and then you make magic. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like fun. It is. It can be so fun. Yeah. So there are a lot of people speaking about the law of attraction. Mm -hmm how like but and then people have a lot of expectation of like well it should have happened already maybe it's not working or how like ongoing do people have to be with their desires to okay have... so this is my favorite thing to talk about okay go for it <laughs> well because when we are externally or outside of ourselves, right? We can 100% see what everybody else is doing. If I do morning gratitudes, if I work out every day, if I follow this plan, if I do these things, then I will get the result. And so we scramble to make it work. Sometimes it actually feels like it's work to do that work because it's like, oh my God, it's just adding on to my day. It's just extra, it's just hard for me, right? And the space of actually shifting that is to go within yourself and ask yourself, are these the things that are for me, that bring me joy, that will impact my day? They're like personal policies for yourself. That's great. And so we're going to end with that idea that we have to stay with that Internet. sense of alignment. Internet. And yes, that's great. Very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. So what is your URL if people want to get in touch with you? www.tamaraarnold.ca Fabulous. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you happen to have some kind of speaking presentation coming up and you're feeling a bit of dread or anxiety, please go ahead and download my free guided visualization for speaking confidence. You can get it at lindayugalo.com forward slash Speaking confidence, and I'll see you on the next episode. Oh, oh, oh.
Thank you for listening to Women Inspired. The show is recorded live in the studios of Bedford TV in Massachusetts. Music courtesy of Sheik Gamin. If you like this episode, please leave a review or comment. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or watch all the TV episodes of Women Inspired with the show notes and links at www.lindayugalo.com forward slash TV. Thank you.